With Father's Day right around the corner, what do you give to the man who has everything? Easy. You give him an experience he'll never forget. You give him Omaha Steaks because a world-class dad deserves a world-class steak. The Father's Day experts at Omaha Steaks have made it easy to put a smile on the big guy's face this summer with hand-selected gift packages starting at just $89. Just go to omahasteaks.com and use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout for an additional discount when you shop gourmet gift packages for Father's Day. With Omaha Steaks, the possibilities are endless. Endless flavor, endless variety, and endless value. Truly, they have perfected more than just steak. Your dad is guaranteed to love every bite. Go to omahasteaks.com, use the promo code BLUEWIRE to get an exclusive savings. Shop for unforgettable gifts that are guaranteed to make dad's day. Because if there's one thing that Omaha Steaks knows, it's the dads want steak. That's omahasteaks.com, promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to save on exclusive packages starting at just $89. What is up? Welcome to episode number 299 of On the Corner, the official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast, joined, as always, by the judicious Nick Pollock. <laughs> Shouldn't have drawn that word out there, but I meant judicious. I don't know why I drew it out there, but hey, Nick, how you doing? What is happening? And what's going on here, Fast? Uh, let's talk about this. Uh, I need you to answer a question for me. <laughs> yes. That's why I said judicious. <laughs> Every year I do the, uh, the you know, that app Goodreads? Of course. I do the app Goodreads. I do the reading challenge. Okay. And I, I've toned it down a little bit. I'm setting expectations. Probably only going to do 12 this year because the baby and the move and all that stuff. This is what I need you to answer the question for. Okay. Sure. Does a graphic novel count? Yes. It does count. Is does there count. any. So it's like not if it's over a certain amount of word of words of pages I mean, or anything you, like you that. You can make the decision for yourself there as far as like the, the length of it. You know, yeah. but you're investing time and you're 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 soaking up culture. You're soaking up culture. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. I go back. And forth. I feel guilty. I guess I try and say to myself, like, like okay, cheating. I feel like you're cheating. So I think it's kind of to say, like, all right, you can do them, but you can't have it be more than 20 percent of your total output. Sure. OK. Or otherwise, so you ever, whatever for every three you, you do want. add a book. But yeah, I, you're right. I would say you don't have any guilt reading something like that. You're, you're, you want to consume a story and. You know, that's, that's just one medium for it. There's nothing worse about it. That's why you're the judicious Nick Paul. There you go. There you go. That's what, what we're talking about today. Guess hmm. what? We what? are about a week away from PitchCon. Can you believe it? Nick Pollock, you sent out a mammoth of a beautiful yes. email today with a full schedule. <laughs> I've seen the schedule and friends, it is yeah. chef's kiss. Very I've, nice. I've, I've, I've me- I messed it up. Of course I did. Uh, it's 44 hours. We're going to have more information for you guys on Wednesday. Um, I believe that's when the, the video is coming out. Um, don't expect endgame video stuff. Yeah, but at least that, we have that the video. Was- there, essentially, Josh Berry made that, and he was like, "Never again, Nick. You're never going to make me do this again." I'm like, I know it was it was 2020 quarantine. It's okay, uh, but no, we're going to have a little video. Um, I wonder if you guys can guess what scene or from what show or uh, movie that we are pulling it from. Um, but uh, you know, you're going to see it on Wednesday, hopefully, maybe Thursday. Uh, we'll have a site. Um, actually, it will be on the Pitchless site this year, and not on go.rallyup.com. Actually housed ourselves 
So very excited about that. I already messed up the schedule. I fixed it. <laughs> mm. And I uh, can't wait. Can't wait for PitchCon. It's going to be amazing. Sorry, it's just Wednesday, a, a, the 26th. There's a vast swath of, of topics. There's the serious. There's the fun. There's the fantasy. There's the just baseball. There's so many different opinions. There's a lot of uh, really there's exciting. Fast doesn't yeah. even know one of them. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> or I'm going to curse on this podcast out of spite. I'm so excited for it. I'll just say that I think that that is bull manure. Uh, that I don't know who this, the, I don't know who this secret guest is. No one knows. Okay, I understand Great. that no one knows, but all of a sudden I'm relegated to no one. Right now I'm just a pitcherless no one, mm. according to oh, you. Fast. Is the way that you just said that, right? How dare you? I'm a no one. What well, you just said, no one Nothing's knows. Far. So you just put me in the grouping of no one. <sighs> yeah, exactly. See? Yeah, you okay? Huh? You doing all right? It hurts. It hurts. Not it's as like much. It's 2015 all over again. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, all right. So today we're going to talk about uh, a few guys where we're kind of uh, we're hoping for a little bit more. We're hoping for a little bit more. They didn't have the best year last year or some of them didn't even pitch. And we're trying to look ahead and think like, OK, can we get a little bit more out of this person next year? There's some people going the right way. Some people maybe going the wrong way. And we're breaking it down into three different categories. First, we're going to start off by talking about some of the guys who were injured coming off an injury year. Year. either they had an inning or two last year or they didn't pitch at all and they're fully returning from injury then we're going to take a look at some of the true veterans right not guys like i don't know not like blake snell or even you darvish i'm talking about like the next level of veterans we're talking well you'll see when we get there uh and then last but not least we're going to talk about some of the more young exciting arms and seeing is there another gear there maybe they didn't have a great year last year but is there another gear there um so let's let's start with the top here we're going to go to the injured guys, and we're going to start with a man uh, who just agreed to a one-year $25 million contract, uh, which I guess hasn't been officially codified yet, has it been? It has. It has. It has, okay. It was uh, like a and week that's, or two after the lockout, but it still went on. It was a week. It still went, okay. So this is Justin Verlander. He also has an option for 2023. So obviously, you know, through six innings in 2020, uh, and then no pitching until 2021. What are you realistically expecting both ERA wise and inning innings wise coming into the 2022 season, assuming, and this will be throughout the entire podcast, assuming it is a full uninterrupted season. Man, that'd be nice. The, Justin Verlander used to be the quintessential workhorse, right? And then mm-hmm. obviously nothing or really very briefly in 2020 with just six innings and missed all of 2021 with, with Tommy John. I, th- this is, this always stinks. Um, just, Justin Verlander is the perfect example. Justin, Justin Verlander. Oh no. Goosebumps. I'm thinking already, of that, that it's already starting of goosebumps. Okay. I, Justin Verlander is going to be getting a lot of eyes on him when he's pitching his workouts, whenever we mm-hmm. get those, because yeah. it's all about where he's sitting with his heater. The fastball is everything uh, for him. That was a 16% swing strike rate pitch in 2019. Also in 2018, just slightly underneath that. It, it, it's the root of his entire success. And then also that slider. I mean, 25% swing strike rate in 2019 for that pitch is absurdly good. Jumped up from sub 20% rates prior I hope both of those are back. I think it's very important that the velocity is there. There's a question of the sticky stuff being a part of it. Mm. He was in Houston. Yeah. It's very obvious that that was a part of what he was doing. 
I post sticky stuff, post Tommy John. Is the velocity going to be back? That's what we're looking for. And remember, it's sitting is what we're looking for, not hitting. I don't care if he's hitting 97, 98. If he's not sitting 95, if he's sitting 92, 93, and then pushes it once, don't care. I want to see him sitting 95 on that heater. If he is, Verlander, I mean, essentially is a two-pitch pitcher, you know, fastball and slider, some curveballs and changeups in there normally too, but uh, it's pretty much just those two. I mean, I mean curveballs really in the third pitch, but this could be a top 20 guy again. It's he could also be, I don't know, like a 3-8 or even 4. I, I, I like I don't know what it's like when Verlander doesn't have 95, right? Yeah. I mean, is it like how Strasburg was when he was hurt? I, it's really hard to tell at the moment. Uh, I, I'm doing my rankings now, and I don't know exactly where to put Verlander. I'm really curious what your thoughts are, Fast. Um, well, I got. I was looking through some of his numbers, and then I got a little sidetracked because I just got that 2011 season, that first Cy Young season for him. It's just... Do you see how many innings he threw that season? 251 and 34 starts. Yeah. With a two, I mean, what was it? A 2.4 ERA? And a 0.92 whip. <laughs> but here's the thing. That's only, unbelievable. Only a 26% K rate. It's really funny how you have these remarkable seasons back then, but we're just so oversaturated in strikeouts now, right? Maybe that's why he was able to go so deep because fewer at bats resulted in needing three pitches, right? Yeah. At least. I mean, the problem years uh, for Justin Verlander um, were 20, well, really 2014, right? And that was when we saw the noticeable dip in velocity, right? Right. That was before he kind of reinvented himself, before he came over to Houston. So, and, you know, you could theoretically make an argument that he comes to Houston, maybe proctors the, you know, doctors the ball a little bit differently or something, finds a little bit more spin, definitely finds that velocity again. Um, so it does scare me a little bit to think, okay, well, if the velocity is not there and if he's not going to be able to doctor the ball the way that he wants to, but then also he's got a full off season to be able to figure that out. So theoretically that off season is going to help him not do that. Um, I would have difficult uh, help help him. You know what I'm trying to say. It would help him. You know, get accustomed, get acclimated sure, yeah. to that. I would really have difficulty thinking that the Astros are going to give him a one year, twenty five million dollar, and he can is a high three, low four ERA pitcher. Like that to me would be a little bit shocking, right? Yep, I'm I'm, I'm with uh, you there, and I want to bet on this. I want to say yeah. that Verlander would jump back. I. This is the thing that my lesson from last year is Corey Kluber and Tyone. And I know that those are different levels than than what we saw of Verlander. Not to say that Kluber wasn't, but we had an extra year removed. Uh, yeah. But there's, a, there's a sense that Verlander is above that, even though he's going to be 39 this year. I, I'm a little wary. Where are people taking him at the moment? Because I'm curious to see, like, where where would you feel comfortable? Like, would you feel comfortable having Justin Verlander be your SP two? No, I would say I would say SP three. I would want to take a chance. I mean, my rule of thumb, as I'm going to be preaching for this entire preseason, as anyone that has followed me in the past knows my philosophy by now, I'd imagine, I uh, it's four starters that you trust that are reliable through the year that you're never dropping. That you just, if you they're starting, you're putting them in there. And then four guys that are just that you expect to burn and churn. 
as you're chasing for Rodan and Logan Webb and Adam Wainwright and Robbie Ray and so on. I Verlander isn't as comfortable inside that top four as I want him to be. He is. I like I'd be drafting him, never expecting to be at a point that sorry, Verlander, you gotta go. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's uh, ah, I don't he's, know. He he seems 32? to be going around SP. That's why thirty-two. What? Right oh, that's where I'm putting him. I guess I don't know. I mean, so right now he's going as an SP three in NFPC draft starting in January. He's going as an SP three. He's going in the ninth round. About, um, yeah. So that's about so, thirty-two. Yeah, yeah. 45. So I, I think that 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 it does seem like that the you know if we refer to it as the market, it's still a little bit unsure. He is still going over uh, Shane McClanahan and Blake Snell right now. So I would um, prefer, I think, both. McClanahan and Snell. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, hmm, I haven't made these decisions yet. I, I've ironed out like the top 10 so far. Yeah. I, uh, and yes, I'm going to reveal them right now. I'm not. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that that's, that's a pickle. And I won't talk about Snell and McClanahan and drag on this podcast, which I'm sure will go a bit long as it always yeah, does. Yeah. Well, 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 we'll see about that. Let's move on to another, <laughs> uh, let's move on to another guy coming off an injury. Someone who you probably feel a little bit better about in terms of recovery solely because of age. And that's Mike Clevenger. So what are you thinking about Mike Clevenger this year? Are you uh, expecting, you know, uh, uh, what would hopefully be a nice bounce back here from from him. I mean, jumping well, right so, back so Clevenger, into Clevenger is going a lot later, fortunately, than Verlander mm-hmm. is. But the potential is somewhat similar. Obviously, we have the the true Aceum of Verlander, top five guy, no question. Season while Clevenger, while having some great seasons, hasn't actually been that quite yet. We expected him to, and then he hasn't really locked in for a full year yet. Uh, but. I mean, that's a potential top 10 pitcher, right? That's uh, that's my Clevenger for you with an amazing slider and, and curveball. Uh, I'm very excited about it, but again, I need to be a little bit cautious, so I'm probably going to be putting him around the 40s or so, um, right at the fringe of my SP4. Like, I, like Clevenger, I don't really anticipate he's going to be so bad that he's off my team, right? There's no... I would be shocked. Right? You know, a little different than the other guys. Tyone had the had four and a half months. I think it was like for like May twenty third in mm. two thousand eighteen, moving forward or two thousand seventeen, right? But you know, never had a thirty percent strikeout rate. Never was you know the the absolute just blowing us away. I had him ranked in the top ten, um, Clevenger, right at one point. So it, it would be really shocking. Sure, he's not like twenty five now, but yeah, Clevenger. I feel like I'm in on that bounce back. I think I think I saw him around 200 in NFBC formats, and I feel like I'm in at that at that point. Yeah, he's 194 right now. It is crazy that there are certain stats that you can kind of pick out that are like make him sound very appealing, right? Like if I said to you, well, for every season where he's thrown over 100 innings, which is three now out of the five, he his highest DRA was a 3.11. Uh, that's unbelievable but also just never been a great whip guy like one year with a whip under 1.1 like that's not great but then you can go look at his k rate there's some numbers are fantastic like in 2019 some are not so some are pretty good about 25 he's not an efficient pitcher that that's the issue with clevenger is uh curveball and changeup have struggled to get as many strikes as the as the slider and fastball 
And the slider even itself, you know, there was a moment in 2018 when it was this ultra strike pitch, 70%, which is super high. Uh, but then it's settled to be around 60% or so. And you kind of want to see it closer to 65. If you want to see the walk rate go away, he's got to get strikes somehow to prevent that. Maybe the curveball goes up above 60%. Uh, I don't know. We, we really don't know what to expect from Clevenger in this way. But I do want to remind everybody, I mean, 2019 Clevenger, 39% CSW on that slider mm. is ridiculous. Like that, That is just one of the best breakers in the game. Uh, that's, 22% that's... swing strike rate on it. Crazy. Clevenger or Kershaw? Uh, with uh, slider-wise? I mean, it's Kershaw. Cause no, 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 no. Overall. At the time. Oh, I'm going to be favoring Kershaw. You're going to be favoring Kershaw? They're, they're yeah. pretty much back-to-back in ADP right now. Is that right? I'm going to be favoring yeah. Kershaw just because that slider is thrown 50% of the time and is just that dominant. And it's the, the question isn't necessarily the ability, it's the longevity, while there is some question of, of Clevenger's ability. Yeah, that's so that's interesting. So more innings this year, Kershaw or, uh, or pretty, Clevenger? I mean, you got to imagine pretty close. Like Clevenger won't go past 150, you wouldn't think, coming back from mm-hmm. Tommy John. And that's kind of where we always put Kershaw, right? So yeah. I'm favoring Kershaw here. Yeah, I think I'd lean Kershaw a little bit well. I mean, they, if they both have the same question marks, you might as well go with the more proven track record recently. Right. Um, I'm all about that as well. Uh, two more guys I want to get to with injuries. The other one is we, we can hit on him very briefly because we talked about him, I think, a week or two ago. And that's Noah Syndergaard. I, I mean, it's like we said, a guy who has been told for the last starts in 2020, or 2021, excuse me, that he shouldn't throw his best pitch yeah, just scares the heck out of you. And again, the BABIPs have always been high with with Thor for a reason. Mm. He's not a he's not a pitcher. He's a thrower. He chucks his heater, and his heater doesn't suppress uh, hard contact well. Uh, it's it's an issue. He's not a th- he hasn't been a 30 percent strikeout guy too. It, it's uh, th- there's an assumption that he's going to be like his 2015, 2016 self self when he's healthy and back from Tommy John and all that. And I don't agree with that one as much. Uh, so I'm, I'm leaning away from Syndergaard at the moment. There's another guy. The last guy I want to talk about is a guy that we were leaning into real hard um, coming into the, I think it was 2021 season. Um, then he had to have, uh, I, th- I don't think it was a Tommy John. I believe it was the 2020. Uh, I think we were like really in. I was. It was 2020. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, because that's when he had his Tommy John. He threw like one inning last year yeah. real quick in a quick appearance. And that's Tyler Beatty. Is this oh. going to be your is this going to be your your 2022 pick 300? Yeah, right. I thought you were talking about Severino, but also plays a Tyler Beatty. Uh, Tyler mm-hmm. Beatty was pitching in 2020 or I guess in 2019. No, he, it was 2019 yeah, 2019 is when we got yeah. excited. Then he got, I think, Tommy John then. And no, then, we were coming. We were excited crazy. coming I'm into 2020. We were, we were excited coming into 2020 because his velo right. was ticking up like crazy. Right, right. Uh, he okay. was like throwing like 95, 96 <laughs> or something. And then he had Tommy John, which makes sense. Um <sighs> Man, I, we're getting I, old fast. My memory is no. just is going. I know that's shocking. <laughs> Usually, you're like you, you're crazy. Yeah, because he well, said I'm not in mid season form yet. Okay, you know it's spring training for everybody. I'm so sorry, everybody. I, I cannot believe I said that. I, how dare you? Uh, no. Now is not the time or place. His I was just looking him up real quick to make sure I wasn't crazy about his velo in his three re, in his three rehab starts. Mm-hmm. His fastball set ninety six to ninety eight. 
Oh, man. <laughs> so what? Like, are we not spending enough time talking about I, Tyler well, B? That's, like, I, I, that's why I kind of added him to this list is I remember our hype about him and just completely forgotten among everybody else. Uh, right now has a spot in the rotation for the Giants. Um, Tyler Beatty is is really cool. <laughs> Don't know what else to say. Uh, the CSW on the slider in 2019 was 30.5%. Got a lot of whiffs with it. Uh, the curveball, 33% in 2019. Changeup had a 19% swing strike rate. There's some cool stuff here. The, the curveball was really inefficient. Keep in mind, like a lot of balls, over 50% balls, which is so bad. But when it worked, it worked well. Um, and yeah, if he's throwing harder, I mean, 2019 was 94. And was the report sitting or hitting? Because if he's um, sitting I, 96, uh, that's uh, it's already really It's already, cool. this is from a quote from an, a article of May 2021 from The okay. Athletic. Quote, it's already leading to an uptick in velocity. BD says his fastball sat 96, 98 mile per hour in oh his three God. rehab appearances thus far. And although the Giants didn't have track man data for his three inning start Saturday against the Dodgers, he was pleased with how the ball was coming so out. Threw- I've never before sat comfortably at this velocity. I'm excited. I hope I can maintain it. So he had one inning in relief and threw 95.8 on the heater. Yeah, it could be uh, it. That was by Andrew Baggerly, by the way. I want to make sure I give credit mm-hmm. there. Um, so, I mean, Tyler Beatty, look, it's the Giants. You guys have talked a lot about the organization. Yes. Like belief in that. I think, honestly, if, if you want to say, like, oh, Giants breeding success, it's more about, hey, Brandon Crawford's really good at shortstop, and Oracle Park's a nice place to pitch, and the NL West ain't so bad to throw in. That's uh, kind of actually bad. If you're, <laughs> wait, you're going to Coors, Giants, sorry, Coors, Dodgers, and Padres. Eh, but the Diamondbacks are there, and Oracle's there, and I don't know. What I'm getting at is Tyler Beatty is someone you shouldn't forget about, and that this could be a really nice bounce back. Someone to consider in the last round when you have a league that goes high on all of these upside plays. I remember in the pitcherless mock, like by 18, the 18th round, all the fun guys are gone. Tyler Beatty might be someone that you might want to stick your neck out there for in the last round. He's going over pick 600 right now. Yeah, so right. It's free real estate. Um, <laughs> hey, no, actually, free real estate is a breaking ball early in account for called strikes. Okay? That's very nice. Yeah, I like that too. Um, all right, I want to move on to some of the veteran guys, and we're talking about like the guys who didn't just join AARP. They've been card-carrying members <laughs> for quite some time now, and we're going to start so with the guy that you already... We're, you realize like we are getting close to their age? <laughs> I, I, we're turning I, 34 I this year fast. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't even <laughs> want to talk about that. I'm I like and that's why I'm actually happy. Is every guy in this little mini list older than us? Cordy Kluber is. Uh yeah. Uh Carrasco is. Kyle um, Hendricks is not. Oh boy. Oh god. This is why Kyle I'm Hendricks saying. has been pitching forever. Oh no. <laughs> so no. I'm trying to tell you fast, we can't be making those jokes because it affects us now. <laughs> It's different. It's a different scale. Anyway, let, let's talk about Corey Kluber. I, I was a big, I was a believer in Corey Kluber coming into last year because he had a longer track record of success. I thought maybe 2019 and 2020 were kind of the blips when it came to injury. Then he returns. And also, let's caveat this, too. It wasn't awful. He ended the year with sure. a 3.83 ERA and a, 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 a 12.5% swinging strike rate, which actually was slightly up from what he did in 2018, and everyone thought it was the end of the world. Um, the whip was really killer at 1.34. A, what are you thinking for next year? B, do you have any faith? Uh, how do you, how does the raise signing him to a one-year $8 million deal impact you positively or negatively? 
I don't know. I, I I don't know how to feel about it. I feel it does prevent the the higher ceiling of workload uh, of Kluber. You know, for example, if you went and signed with the Rangers, something like that, then, you know, like he was before, then they would say, yeah, sure, seventh inning, whatever, go ahead, Kluber. I feel as though the Rays will be a lot more, no, our bullpen's great. We're going to use our bullpen right now. We have to win every single game we possibly can. Kluber, you're down after five and two-thirds, right? Um, I, I would imagine that would happen. Um, what happened last year is the changeup kind of showed up. Uh, as the Yankees did that a lot, they they focused on changeups against lefties from the right-handers, uh, and it had moments of success. I remember games when the the changeup was everything, and it was so great. But it wasn't really that consistent uh, overall. Really nice, twenty-one percent swing strike rate on it. But I felt it from start to start. He either had it in a big way or he didn't. Um, and then the cutter was the same thing. And the cutter, honestly, is the thing that's missing the most. Sure, you can talk about the velocity being down to 90.5 as opposed to 91 and 7 and 92 of the good years uh, of Kluber. But without this cutter that is over a 30% CSW and limiting guys to sub 250 batting averages, uh, it's going to be a harder time because the breaking ball is still good. It's great, really. But he needs two secondaries. That was always the thing about the Guardians, right? All their pitchers have two mm. amazing secondaries. It's Kluber's breaking ball, whatever you want to call it, curveball slider, and then there's that cutter. And that cutter was not very good last year. 24.8% CSW, 305 batting average allowed. That's not it. So yeah. that needs to come back. I don't think the changeup is the answer. Um, I wonder if the, the race can help in some way to amplify the cutter, or I don't know. But I have my concerns here, and I'm not really buying too heavily into this. Yeah, that was the highest cutter Woba of his entire career, uh, which isn't great. But it was also the lowest uh, changeup Woba of his career. Actually, second lowest when he'd thrown over 150, which is great. He had a 187 Woba on the pitch and a really good Woba on that slider as well. But you're right, that cutter was the pitch that he went to, according to Fangraphs, the second most. And it just it really didn't do great for him um I, I will say this too like i i does it i always have kind of questioned what you know the yankees uh pitching staff um and their inability to aside luis severino kind of uh have a lot of success with guys that they didn't go out and get um but then they had a kind of new staff last year we heard a lot of great things about them we had a lot of pitchers kind of sing their praises not a lot of strides forward i am going to be really curious if, if Corey kluber goes to tampa and has a lot of success again i think it again points to the question of like well what the hell is going on in new york you know what i mean like what what is going on there and again that that oversimplifies that but i think it i don't know it might point to something that's a little bit problematic there yeah no that's a that's a great point i mean there has been this large question about how the yankees use their staff for a while I think, mm. you know, Larry Rothschild was there and uh, it's there hasn't quite there have been times when they've gotten these pitchers that just show up and do great things. Like I remember when um, I oh, man, what's his name? He's a wonderful Twitter follow. Brandon McCarthy mm-hmm. uh, came to the Yankees out of nowhere and was just like, oh, yeah, he's effective now. Or Cologne showed up and did great like this. This kind of happens from time to time. But yeah, yeah you make a great point. There's going to be more eyes on Kluber's performance, not only for himself, but also for, you know, the reflection of the Yankees. Is this is last year a uh, a harbinger for the end times for Kyle Hendricks? It's a, a the I'm highest. 
ERA of his career uh, by far. The closest he'd come to four was 3.95 in 2015. It is the highest whip by far. The only time in his career that he surpassed 1.2. The BABIP wasn't even, uh, you know, I mean, it was a little bit higher than his career normal, but not like astronomical. He's got a 281 career average BABIP at 299 last year. Are... So you're you're worried? Is this kind of it for him? Well, so you might not know this fast. I there's a story here. Very quickly, Uh 2016. This wonderful man, Alex, sent me an email at the beginning of April. Bonded with him very quickly. You know, it's been what six years since, which is Uh amazing. Feels like Uh longer. I you convinced me. I was really nervous. You're like, no, Nick. Fangraphs is having a meetup in June. We got to go. We got to go, Nick. We got to go to this thing. I was really nervous. You said, no, we're going to go. I went to the wrong bar. (laughs) That's right. You were late. I just waited. (laughs) I told you to go in. You're like, no, absolutely not. You know? Well, they were called the same thing. There's just two of them. I didn't know there were two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We go in and we meet Eno and Spore, right? And I was, you know, of course, starstruck and everything. And I remember so distinctly how shocked I was that they knew who I was and who you mm. were and who we were and everything. And I remember exactly what Spore said. Yes, I really liked your stuff because you were the only one that agreed with me about Kyle Hendricks. Mm. And what was it that I was like, Oh yeah, Kyle Hendricks isn't that good. And I've thought about this phrase for ages. Cause I was, I, if you guys have followed me, I've always been stark against Kyle. Hendricks. Yeah. I don't, I, I'm sure Spore was smart and changed his tune. <laughs> Yeah, but that was back in like 2016, and that was the 213 ERA season, and there was a 303, and a 344, (laughs) and a 346, and a 288. You know, and it's always like the funniest thing to me about one of the things I've been I was most wrong about got me talking to Paul Spore, which was just oh my god. So now is the time. This is what I really meant. Was six years later, haha. I knew yeah, exactly. It. Even a broken be clock. Bad Kyle Even a broken clock is right <laughs> twice a day. You know I mean? Um. So, but really, at the end at the end of the day, it's always been oh, the velocity isn't so good. You know, he's throwing eighty seven, eighty six, all that. But honestly, I think the the real reason we saw the fall of Kyle Hendricks is not the velocity of the of the sinker. It was actually the changeup that was thrown harder than it has in in five years since two thousand seventeen. It's eighty point one average mile per hour pitch was. The fastest it's been had a 14.5% swing streaker, which is the lowest of all those years. Uh, 21% peak in 2018 for the pitch uh, since 2017, which is crazy. Only a 20% CSW on that changeup. And if you guys really think about like Kyle Hendricks, sure, the, the placement of the sinker, but when you think about it, it's that nasty changeup. You know, mm-hmm. we, we would think all the time that would be the pitch. Highest batting average allowed at that time. And the curveball, which actually had stepped up to be a huge called strike offering for him in 2019, for example, had a 33% called strike rate. I mean, that's not even including swing strike rate for CSW. So that was a 41% CSW. Just down to an 18% called strike rate last year, 25% CSW. Both of those pitches really, really hurt Kyle Hendricks. And so he didn't have the support. Like, look, we all know that sinker should not be amazing an amazing offering, but because he has this changeup and Krimble to mix in with it, it surprises guys. Without those two good pitches, it really, really hurt Cal Hendricks last year. Maybe those can come back. I'm not going to rule that out completely, but the ceiling isn't so high that I want to put myself in the way of that wall.
I can't back this up with fact, but it, this has to be one of the few times in history that a guy has gone from all four of his pitches being positive P-Val pitches to all four of his pitches being negative <laughs> P-Val pitches, which is also just a perfect indication of why P-Val isn't predictive. But like that, that's pretty wild. Not a single yeah. pitch with a positive P-Val after having a very solid uh, shortened season in 2020. Like that's, that's really, I, but here's the thing though. It can't get, it can't get worse for Kyle Hendricks. I would just have a really difficult time believing that all of a sudden he fell off that hard. Right. But then again, also, why? Where is he going right now? He's got to be outside the. Uh, yeah, he's right at pretty be, much three hundred. So here's the thing: the problem, and I think this is so important for you as a manager to understand and internalize, is recognize you in season. Let's say you have Kyle Hendricks, you draft him, and the first star is mediocre. It's nothing exceptional. It's fine. How long are you going to hold on to Kyle Hendricks? How long are you going to believe if he recovers or or not, if he goes up and down? Yeah, if you're going to draft him, by all means, like you say, no, I'm going to do it through X, Y, and Z. Be disciplined about it. But it's really tough to to distinguish, unless he comes out as curveball and change of our amazing again. Mm. Um, it's really hard for me to regain that trust that we had before with Hendricks. While I'm telling you the most important month of the season is April. For your fantasy teams, by far, if you sit on your hands and keep some of these guys that you shouldn't be having on your teams, you're going to miss out on some legitimately pushing the needle pitchers for the entire year. And a guy like Hendricks, to me, is someone that would be preventing me from taking those proper chances instead of actually paying off in a big way. There's a term I just made up in my mind called the Pollock paradox, uh, and it's the antithesis of really a paradox because a Pollock paradox is a question that's so incredibly easy that it doesn't even need to be discussed. Uh, <laughs> and the reason that the Pollock paradox comes up <laughs> is because the person who is closest in ADP to Kyle Hendricks as a pitcher right below him is Jesus Lazardo, and that is the easiest decision that Nick Pollock will ever have <laughs> to make in because his life. You can watch him for one start. Yeah, and oh, you can be like, oh, part. okay, let's see. Is he, is he throwing a lot of curveballs and a few sinkers? Oh, no, he's not. It's still that. All right, I'm done with Lizardo. And you it's move the on. Pollock paradox. The Pollock paradox, right? Because it sounds like a tough decision, but it's actually easy. It's actually it's it's actually straight straight ahead to the point. <laughs> <That's> um, good. <laughs> real quick, before we get on to the next guy in this list, we're actually going to take a uh, a quick second for an ad break. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at pitcherlist.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast. Also, don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from YouTube videos, live streams, newsletters, off-season articles, TikToks, breakdowns, over 15 baseball podcasts on our network. We can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season. So sign up for PL Plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free. All right. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. 
We're back, baby. We're talking about the man that we all want to hear about, uh, Steven Strasberg. Is that the man we all want to hear about? <laughs> well, uh, he's I'm I'm older than Steven Strasberg by two months, um, so that's not wow. great. I think you're. I'm like six weeks. That you're, yeah. <laughs> so, oh man, he's younger than us. That's wild. Um, anyway, yeah. you know, I are you? Uh, I don't even know if if there is a. I would need to see a good amount of spring training starts, and I would probably need to see. No, I wouldn't care about schedule at the beginning. I guess he's fully spring training dependent because if Stra- if Steven Strasburg is what we think he can be, if that curveball looks really good, it doesn't matter who he's facing. It's just a matter of injury. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's the same thing as Lazarda, though, right? Like he's he's. I guess I gotta get a term for the like the first week you know, up or down kind of thing. Like you can tell from the first start if you're going to want to hold on to him or not. Mm-hmm. Right. So at Strasburg and the good news about Strasburg versus Lazardo is that Strasburg's going to go on the first like two starts of the year, as opposed to Lazardo might be the fifth for Miami. Mm-hmm. So you'll be able to make a choice and move on faster. So there's a, an appeal to that. But yeah, if Strasburg's not throwing 92 in change and instead he's throwing 94, I'm I'm very intrigued. I'm very uh, I'd be much more into uh, considering Strasburg. But yeah, the velocity is not there. 2020 it was 21. Sorry, 91.9. That very limited sample. Then another small one. 21.2 innings last year. Just 92 uh, on the heater. If he gets that to 94, like it was in 1918, and actually it was like 96 in 2017. But just 94 is fine. I will know in that first start. So. Yeah. I'm kind it's of almost in on that as my last pick. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's just how it's all about how you approach the last pick, but you're right. You're right. Last pick is the churn and burn kind of dude. Oh yeah. The last, um, the last four starters I get are pretty much that an idea. I mean, more so the last one or two faster, but that, that's, you got to have that approach. You got to be like ready to, to go in, you know, be the, it's the Miss Frizzle method. I'm telling you. Mm. Take chances, make mistakes, get messy. Very nice. I like that. Um, I just feel so bad that like 2019 was the year that we were like, oh my God, he's throwing more curveballs than any other pitch. And then it just, we got a full 200 innings of that and saw how, how fruitful that was. And then 1% CSW across that 31. It's just so usage. good. It's just, I know it, oh. it stinks. Um, we're we're going to actually, we're going to breeze over Carrasco because we talked about Carrasco in our last podcast. Yes. Um, we're both kind of interested in thinking there could be a bounce back bounce back. We mentioned, Eno know, piece in the athletic about how actually his command was, was pretty good. And so was his, the movement of his pitches. So we're both, I don't correct me if I'm wrong. We're both pretty in on a bounce back there. I, well, I mean, I think it's very similar to the Strasbourg one. I think it's harder to discern after the first one because I'm curious and I think there's an opportunity for the slider and changeup to come back for Carrasco. But I don't know if I'll be able to tell after the first start. Okay. So what about David Price? We don't really, as of now, probably going to be uh, slotted into the Dodgers rotation. I imagine the rotation we see on roster resource right now is not going to resemble the one that we get opening day from them as their three through five is Gonsolin, Heaney, and Price. But uh, assuming he is the five, which he could well be because they might want him to eat a few more innings. It wasn't great last year in 73 innings with a low four ERA. Obviously, 2019 was a ways away by now. Missed all of 2020 or opted out. Um, Do you think that there is 
uh, a, a version of David Price where he can get back under a Ford ERA. You know, I, I feel like midseason last year, I put out that. Here comes a pun. GIF of the weekend, uh, you know, yeah. like underneath the bleachers looking. I was like, where yeah. is David Price's changeup? Uh, because it went to be a 19% CSW pitch last year across 25% usage. And this used to be over 30% every year. Mm. Um, it was a big, big problem. Uh, I don't know if the, I love, I'm sorry, I'm just laughing. Like, here it comes. Here comes the pun. I was like, wasn't that? I don't know. It was that I thought I usually take a pause before a pun oh, comes. Yeah, so I was true. anticipating yeah. a pun. Oh, thanks, Fast. You got uh, it. But yeah, David Price, I mean, first of all, I think he's the first one to go when they do get a, a, a pitcher. They're going to get somebody. Um, I think it's going to be Kershaw, if not even a second guy on top. And then to make it so that it's Gonsolin and Orhini as the number five instead of Price, because Price is going to be 37 at the end of August, which is old. And mm. he's not throwing us hard anymore. And I don't think we can depend on him being a stable starter for that team. I whiffed completely on this last year. I thought this was going to be the return of David Price. He had all this time and all this stuff and just never panned out, especially with that changeup. So maybe he gets that changeup back. Maybe that's all right. Uh, maybe the cutter is you know doing good things again. It was fine last year, but it was a real uh, it was a real catalyst for success in the past. But yeah, I mean, I don't even know how to take this velocity at 93, right? Hopefully it's 94, but also that was in relief a decent amount too. So yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not excited about this. I wouldn't go after it. It's crazy too. You look at that. I mean, in recent years up until 2017, the changeup hadn't been great in terms of batted ball results and an an okay Woba, um, but it always got swings and misses and that made it, you know, even better. And then last year, all of it went away. Like the, the, the Woba stayed elevated and then it significantly dropped in terms of swing strike rate. So yeah, that's, that's a little bit scary for me. You add the inconsistency there and it's probably not someone I'm considering for a bounce back. So of all those guys, Kluber, Hendrick, Strasburg, Carrasco, Price, are you putting Carrasco as the guy you're probably most interested in? Kluber? I'm going to say uh, Tyler Beatty. I still haven't forgotten. Like, I'm still kind of crazy about him. I I feel like he is the number one sleeper, the actual sleeper. I'm with you on that, but just of the veterans. I know, I know. I, okay. I just can't. I just want to mention Tyler Beatty. I, I know. I'm I'm uh, my brain's going crazy about him right now too. I'm saying I'm saying Strasburg is the one I probably want to take the chance on because again, we'll know early or not, mm-hmm. and the other ones will be tougher uh, for us to make an assessment. Um, I mean, one that we didn't mention, we've mentioned before, I think, is Patrick Corbin. It's the same kind of idea. Like, he was throwing 93-plus at the end of last year. And you're just shaking your head, being like, absolutely not. But that's what this is. This is veterans that could come back and yeah. be legit. So I should have a soundboard so I could play, like, the longest fart ever. Uh, wow. I no, that's Corbin. not our podcast. We do not do that potty humor fast. We that's are, true. We are more classy than that. Yeah, we're, we're puns, baby. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's move into these final guys, some of these young arms. Um, again, we, we can kind of breeze through the top two because it's guys that we talked about last week. Uh, now that I realize that Jesus Cesardo is a guy that you're interested in. You've obviously mentioned him a little bit in this podcast saying if the curveball's there, then you could be anticipating a good start from him. I have often mentioned that I am very 
uh peeved i was very peeved that jesus Cesardo's final start of the 2021 season was so dominant because all of a sudden he rose like a phoenix from the ashes back into everyone's you know i'm about to read that all over the place about it but his final start was unbelievable um yeah Yep. Sixto Sanchez, a guy that Craig Mish has kind of scared us off of this tweet about. It's just not looking great for him right, right now. And considering the amount of arms that they have in that system. Um, before That's I move on to the next guy, though, well, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, no, well, I saw I see this list Sanchez and I go, Aaron Sanchez. <laughs> Why are we going to talk about Aaron Sanchez? Don't, don't you remember? He, didn't he sign with the Giants? And we were like, oh, he might be oh, able to. Right. Well, there was the the trade from the, the Jays to the Astros and there was like two starts. It, it, yeah. it like 2019 maybe it was 2020 where he had success and we're like oh and then nothing since and yeah he signed with the giants and work out and even yeah, though he had a 3.6 era yeah uh, but he also had a 133 whip and a 405 fit oh but the oh my god i just smelled my wife's cooking and now i'm dying um <laughs> there is one guy that we actually haven't talked about and it's someone we have a kind of you know miniature history with in terms of you know the way that we can have a history with anyone and that's daniel lynch a guy that we got to sit front row at at the uh, arizona fall league and and watch pitch and we were both just blown away just the the velo on those pitches i got to talk to him he was a great dude he seems like an awesome guy he's super into he's got great head and shoulders really into analytics but then he comes up and 68 innings and it's just not the way that he wanted to start his career with a 1.63 whip and a 5.69 era even if you look at the 4.82 fip it really was not the way that Daniel Lynch wanted to begin his his uh, his season. And then even when he went to to AAA, he wasn't even really able to figure it out. It seems like there's a lot uh, there for him to put together. But the, the pedigree, this is a guy who has 50 grades on his fastball and curveball with a 60 grade in his slider with dominant velocity. Are, are you is it's probably too soon to give up, but. Is there any world in which you watch walk away from some drafts with some Daniel Lynch? Well, first of all, who were the three guys that you talked to then? It was Spencer Howard, um, Daniel Lynch, and, and Dean Kramer. That was Dean Kramer. That's who the last mm-hmm. one was. Look at that. Isn't that cool that you talked to three guys that all actually made it to the majors and you know are people that we know? That is stuff. pretty cool. That was yeah. cool. And they uh, all I, suck. No, no, absolutely <laughs> not. I'm just joking. I'm no, just joking. I'm, <laughs> I'm just joking. They all throw professional. I remember having to bleep Spencer Howard because he yeah, uh, he was the yeah. He said like, yeah, I want to go high fastballs, but sometimes to throw low fastballs. Like, oh dang, uh, yeah. this works, and they're not swinging at those because they think they're going to fall out, uh, which is a, a very interesting point. That's kind of the Kershaw method with the slider. Anyway, Daniel Lynch, it was a joke. Uh, if you guys watch the morning streams that I do in season, I'm going to do them again. You should be there. It's the best time. Best way to start your day. Just go to twitch.tv slash pitcher list. Watch me do the morning podcast and the stream pitcher rankings and the, the YouTube video. And we just just chat for like two hours and mm-hmm. hang out. Um, it was a joke about how much I just I, I, I think there is a chance here with Daniel Lynch. And everyone in Twitch chat was Nick stop stop <laughs> raking daniel lynch in any way favorably and he had this nice little run here in in august where he had some starts where he had double digits uh whiffs with a slider he had 12 whiffs against the white Sox. uh he had 12 against the, the mariners with that slider and there is some potential there the problem is the fastball is just 
destroyed. 345 batting average allowed last oh. year, but 94 on it. And, you know, I think that velocity actually we've seen higher, too. You know, 95 and all that. Uh, there's potential here. And I'm not going to say it's done. This is the dude who just got, you know, promoted and was beat up a bit. We all forget Jose Brios had like an eight plus ERA his first season with the Twins. You know, like this is this is what happens. Prospect growth is not linear. Daniel Lynch is going to be 25 through the entire year next year. I think they're going to give him a ton of opportunities. He's absolutely someone when he does get that call, I'm going to be watching intently, seeing how the command is of the fastball. Is the change of being a proper number three? Is he using that slider a lot? All of that stuff. Am I drafting him in 12 teamers? Absolutely not. Uh, there's no reason. There's no there, there's no league that you have to take a risk on on, on Lynch in a 12 teamer. In a 15 teamer, probably not either. I, I, you know, there's an opportunity where Lynch isn't even starting for the Royals in the first week. Uh, maybe he's not even that in a rotation. Maybe comes up in the middle end of April. But I don't want y'all to forget about him. I don't want you to 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 think that Lynch is just done and he has no potential here. As you mentioned, good grades across the stuff. It's just time at this point. So keep an oh, eye yeah. on Daniel Lynch. Yeah. Look, not know. not every pitch can return twelve whiffs on a uh, you know a given night twice in a season. You know, if a guy has that ability, there are things to build on. I feel like I've just said that so many times with <laughs> with, with 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 Kansas City Royals pitchers, right? Okay, you're saying specifically about Royals guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't. I, I mean, I haven't. That... Hmm. Last couple of years, I haven't really thought too much about that though. With a Royals guy, I don't know. I remember being like, there was always one pitch that some of the there was always one pitch that Jacob Junis had. Yeah, yeah you're like, right. Oh, yeah, Junis came to mind. Absolutely. There's Brad Keller. Brad there was Keller. one pitch. Okay, that no, this Brad is a really Keller good point. I'll, I'll come back from that. Daniel Brady Lynch, Singer. Same. Yeah, but Brady Singer is still Brady Singer. Like it's the same thing now. But Brady Singer, I think, is what he is. You know, there's I know, but still, it was like it was like, ascension. oh my god, the slider on Brady Singer. That's oh my god, sure, it's fantastic, sure, sure. right? Yeah, I guess for whatever reason, I think with Daniel Lynch, like a, like Brad Brad Keller, I never, uh, I think there's a higher peak to hit with with Lynch. There's a higher potential, bigger frame, and everything that kind of speaks to, you know, overpowering fastball, huge slider that obviously misses a ton of bats. Twenty two percent swing strike rate across that pitch last year. Um. There's a little bit more, I think, to tap into. But, yeah, you make a great point. I mean, I'm not drafting. No, no, no. I'm just saying it's crazy to me that I, I, I'm literally clicking through all of these pitchers. They're all 50 grade, and none of them have an ERA below, like, 4.3. And that's wild. You know what I mean? Like, that's if fast. I, there you go. Sal Perez. It could be that. <laughs> that could definitely be a part of it. It really could be a part yeah. of it. But if I was... Man, that that is really interesting. Yeah, I just about. I just said that just because of how much you've talked about Salvador His Perez defense. being a bad yeah being a bad defensive catcher. I, Worst I mean, personally, catcher when it comes to pitcher catcher stuff, a lot of pitchers will say. I mean, we we talked to McCullers and he was saying Meldy is like so underrated for that staff. Yeah. Um, I find it just so hard to wait catcher ability that I kind of have to throw it out because I have no way of actually adjusting anything that I do based on it. Luckily, Sal Perez makes it easy because I could agree with you if like I agree with you that especially those metrics like defensive metrics can be inherently flawed when it comes to a catcher and like they're probably best to be used as like, you know, with a grain of salt. But what cracks me up is like Sal Perez. 
It's so bad. He's so far below everyone else when it comes to framing that like it felt like baseball savant needed to create a different shade of blue oh, no. just to like show how cold he was there. It's it's pretty unprecedented. It's called um, black. Yeah, exactly. It's just, like, just so dark and so removed. You just can't even see it. You can't even see it. Um, all right. Some quick hits on these last guys. You really wanted to talk uh about nick martinez um and kind of what you're what you're thinking and expecting uh from nick martinez he's someone who's on your radar right now i mean yeah he's he's on the padres he is going Mm -hmm. to be starting for them this year uh he went off to i believe it was japan Mm -hmm. uh and uh yes and came back and uh, sorry and then started throwing harder um, ninety four, ninety six is what I believe I was seeing. I gotta remember exactly. I uh, but had success, you know, elsewhere, and it was in the right. Yeah, ninety four, ninety six is what I think I'm seeing here, which is something to think about. Um, hmm. the Padres are gonna be trusting him in this rotation. I I think it's a case of we're gonna see it. You know, take a chance on it. Maybe at the end of the draft, see what happens. Could be a Miles Michaelis does not necessarily have the Cardinals defense behind him. But this is not the same Nick Martinez that was here when he was on the Rangers. Texas, That's the point yeah. I'm trying to make is he's not that, which is good. <laughs> he is he's a step above the 455 ERA he was, right? I, so I'm curious. I'm really, I'm really curious what we're going to get um, for, for Nick Martinez. It's just someone that we should be at least considering at the end of the draft as a mystery box. Yeah, I mean, it's always scary when you see a guy who goes over to Japan and has a like four or three ERA. Like even with that high velocity, I'm like, but then I mean, a four year deal is pretty intense for that. Yeah. So yeah, I don't right. know. I, I he he's probably a guy that I would like believe on the waivers, and then uh, if I do take Strasburg and he kind of dunk, you know, doesn't do as well as we want him to, then maybe I would consider going over to him. Um, the last guy that I want to talk about um, is Justin Dunn. So Justin mm-hmm. Dunn, we he he kind of he got shut down in I think September, um, and had some shoulder injuries. Three point seven five ERA, but a four point seven four fit, but in just fifty innings last year. The Mariners are going to be contenders probably this year, and they're going to keep pushing, right? I mean, you got Robbie Ray leading off that rotation. They're clearly going to try and make a go of it this year. Um, one would think that Dunn gets a few more innings. As of right now, he's slated to be the number five there, but they've got some guys that they could step in. Eric Swanson's made some starts before, uh, and then they, of course, have some really good names um, in their system. Uh, you know, thinking of George Kirby. And uh, you also still have Emerson Hancock. I don't know if he's going to make an appearance or pitch too much um, next year. But then you even have Justice Sheffield to kind of take a little bit of the weight uh, innings wise. What are you thinking about Justin Dunn? Justin Dunn, I upped his velocity to about 94 last year, which is Mm -hmm. great. He was normally like a 91, 92 guy, went up to 94, had some starts where, you know, 10 whiffs against the the Rangers on, on May 29th, just with that four seamer. Which is really, really exciting when he's throwing it at 93 and a half, you know. Uh, there's there's stuff there. The curveball was way better than the slider, but there were times the slider actually became the premier breaking ball of the night and he did well with it. But essentially what you you have is a guy without a necessarily detrimental fastball. He made it something that could be 
good. Like, okay, this is a good enough fastball. A curveball that had an over 30% CSW last year. Um, and Knights had, you know, had, was the whiff pitch. And then you have a slider that had a 17% swing strike rate last year. And all that combined, I mean, he's not necessarily the youngest. He's not like he's 23. Uh, he's going to be most of the year 26 uh, for Justin Dunn this year. But he was kind of figuring it out. Then he got shut down. And he didn't get that development that we expected. So I don't necessarily think that Justin Dunn is going to come out in April and be amazing. That would be awesome. But I definitely think Justin Dunn is someone I'm going to be watching the entire year. There might be some spot starts that I, have, I stream him for if he's still keeping that 94 mile per hour velocity. Keeping those high CSW rates on that curveball as well. So monitor Justin Dunn. Don't forget about him because it was removed last year and just kind of got cut short. But yeah, the Mariners are going to need him. I don't think they want to go after Justin Justice Sheffield for a long amount of time. Dunn has a lot more potential. Um, yeah, don't don't forget Justin Dunn. And I will say this: whatever you do, let's say he like he goes down to the minors and comes back for his first start, do not start him in that first start. Mm-hmm. Every time he's come back, it's he like brutal. walks everybody. His yeah. debut start in 2020 was six walks in like an inning, or not even that. His first start of 2000 uh, in 21 uh, was eight walks in four and two thirds. Just. Just give him one start to not freak. just three earned runs, just three earned <laughs> runs though, just three earned runs. Um, he walks. Oh, I know. I, the last thing I'll say about him is I got really excited about Justin Dunn coming into the 2020 season because he did a great interview with Pitching Ninja where he said that he had fully revamped his changeup. Um, oh, nice. And he was he was he had changed the grip. He was really excited about it. It was getting great movement. He only threw ten last year, uh, and I don't know if that's because he's still trying to figure it out or if it's not another piece of his arsenal. But it is exciting to know that it could be something that he continues to yeah. do. So I wouldn't be surprised if that does become a little bit more a part of his what he's thinking and his right. approach. But I mean, I'm going to keep the, track of that. The way I see it, he's a fastball curveball guy. That hopefully the slider and or changeup show up. And again, yeah. a night to really be that that proper supplement. So that would be great. Uh, Nick, we did it. Another successful podcast in the book. Our next one is number 300. 300. Uh, I, have, I have some ideas. Um, okay. We were, we, we're were actually, we were thinking of planning this for, you know, the, the, the seven PL7 launch, right? And then I thought to myself, I'm not going to hold back podcasts from everybody. That just doesn't yeah. seem right to me to do it just for that date. So I have an idea. Uh, I kind of mentioned to you briefly off air. Um, hmm. I don't want to announce anything, and then all of a sudden doesn't come to fruition. So keep on the lookout for us on Twitter later this week. Maybe we can announce something. But uh, yeah, I mean, at the very least, at the very least, we'll go live on Twitch for it. Yeah, you know, yeah. we can do that. Well, so, you got to celebrate a little bit. Three hundred. Yeah. I know that Fan- Fangraphs just did their what a thousandth, right? Yeah, the sleeper in the bus episode was a thousand. That's right. Isn't that nuts? Apparently, I started around like 550, which I think is still wrong. That just seems I should. I, I feel that's like I, I started like 925 or something. That's crazy. Um, I mean, that's not even my thing. That's that's poor Mason Collette, you know. Like yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. I, I was just happy to to you've you know, done get a get a get a car ride to work every so often. You know, you've done a good amount of them by now, though. Um, all right. Nicholas, Nicholas. Bass. Pollock, that yeah. is going to do it for it's episode not number Peter, two. Guys. It's not my middle name is not Peter. I just want to establish that. Oh, you want to keep your middle name for me too? Just all, all we're doing is keeping secrets name. from Alex now. You yeah. know my middle name, Peter <laughs> Nicholas Peter it's Pollock. Peter. All right, Nicholas Peter. That is going to do it for episode number two ninety nine <laughs> on the quarter. The official pitchlist.com podcast. I'm your host Alex Fast, and I'm Nick Pollock, and we'll talk to you guys for episode three hundred next week.